Economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Cole McRae, producer and undergraduate scholar for the Gortney Institute. With us, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gordon Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics. Also with us, Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics, and Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordon Professor of Economic Education and Research. Finally, we have with us graduate assistants for the Gordon Institute, Kevin Ubertache and Joao Pereira. All right, our long list, our big team, love it, love it, love it. Uh, so today, uh, we thought we'd take a stab just kind of talking about some of the issues of this uh, rich men north of Richmond. And so if you haven't seen the video, you are in the minority. Uh, last time I checked, uh, well, the first time I did it, it was 30 million views already. So I don't know what it's at now, but uh, basically a pretty good outcry of attention. And uh, I guess the guy got offered 8 million or something, turned it down. So he, he's just basically calling attention to big Washington, D.C. and doesn't like uh, being told maybe how to live their life or the, let's say, the in the uh, creeping of uh, government and government spending in their lives. And I think this particular guy said, leave me alone, more or less, with that song. But uh, Justin, you want to walk us through some of the things you've been thinking about with it? Sure. So um, Oliver Anthony is the song, uh, the songwriter's name, and he kind of blew up probably two weeks ago. He recorded the song Rich Men North of Richmond, and it is, as Russ noted, a kind of uh, complaint uh, about rich men north of Richmond. <laughs> and uh, the Richmond here in, in this case is Virginia, right? So the rich men who he's talking about are presumably people in D.C., and uh, this song uh, and Oliver Anthony himself are immediately kind of uh, thrown in the spotlight on Twitter by both the right and the left. Um, there were a bunch of people on the right who considered it kind of like a battle cry. And then there were these uh, there was this immediate response. And I, I think the response to the song has been more interesting than um, the song itself um although i i like the song itself um and that's one of the reasons i think the, the response has been so interesting but the response seemed like an immune response uh in that you had every single media outlet uh, especially in the corporate press immediately decrying the song saying it was like full of dog whistles um or that uh, it wasn't it wasn't actually uh, complaining about the right kinds of things and what made me the angriest was that there was a lot of people who I had liked before who I thought immediately took what I thought was the knee-jerk and wrong response. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I, I expected this kind of response from the corporate press, especially ones that, you know, are essentially represented by the interest that Oliver Anthony's attacking. But there were also people who, people on like the libertarian right, who I thought said things like, well, don't take this song seriously. He's not complaining about the right things, um, actually. And there's this quote by a guy who's actually a philosopher who's who did really good work that I liked. Um, and he said, like, uh, you know, uh, 50 years ago, 
somebody in West Virginia wouldn't have been able to afford the har- a harmonica or the <laughs> beard wax that Oliver Anthony mm. uses. Um, he's complaining about the wrong things. Um, and I thought that this kind of knee-jerk response was just absolutely terrible. Um, and then, so that's where like response number one, there have been like these waves of responses because then over the past week after uh, they tried to contact Oliver Anthony for like comments about it, you know, he said this isn't really a right wing, a right wing song, which um, we can go into like kind of the history of this kind of genre. Um, but then it was featured heavily, I guess, at the Republican debates. Yeah, the first, oh, really? first question of the debate really? was about the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I skipped those. <laughs> yeah, I skipped those too. Um, <laughs> it was featured in the debate. So the right kind of really tried to own it. And I think they tried to own it in like a way that was kind of cringeworthy. And, yeah. and I think oh, yeah. they made oh, all yeah. the mistakes that they accused him of making earlier, Yeah, uh, which was weird. And then... Um, and so then he's come out recently to declare like what his actual political, like what the political meaning of the song was. So I, I think it'd be interesting to talk about like what your guys' first reactions to the song were. And maybe I just should put my cards on the table first. I, when I heard it, I thought it was a great song. I thought uh, this is a really good song and um, it's really soulful. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's spare. It's a kind of like man and guitar music that I really like. Um, I'm not saying like anything other than I liked it and I, I would like it if it was singing about like mangoes or something like I just, I just like it musically. Um, it's a style of music that I like. I, I really like like outlaw country, like old, like mm-hmm. Waylon and, right. uh, and, and Merle it's, Haggard and Johnny Cash. Yeah. I mean, actual country music. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I liked it for that reason. Uh, so I'm wondering if if you guys had been following it from the beginning or had a similar response. I've been I've been talking for too long. So yeah. So I heard it. I I knew about the song and looked at the lyrics before I listened to the song. Um, and that was kind of an intentional because I'm sort of a hipster. So when like these big trendy things happen, I try to ignore them for like a really long time until like it obviously is going to stick around. So that's why I, I ignored the song for like a week. And then finally, I'm like, all right, I'll listen to the song. And yeah, I was surprised musically how good it was. Part of the value of the song is that, like, to me, it is a distillation, not politically of the the Trump movement, but uh, kind of socially or culturally what the Trump movement was, which was sort of like a working class revolt for the most part. Like, you know, other things were involved. Uh, but at the end of the day, the states that pushed uh, Trump to the top were, you know, those states that have been left behind, the Ohio's, the Michigan's, you know, those places that used to be big industry, used to be a big part of the United States. And now, you know, they've kind of fallen behind, you know, West Virginia, another one. And so I I think like that distillation is pretty powerful because, you know, regardless of people's feelings about Trump, Trump did not actually alleviate, in my opinion, any of those issues that kind of caused him to be elected. I think we still have a large left behind group, which involves kind of like these working class men uh, is the best way to put it. And so musically, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think that it is real art, which is rare out of like places that aren't the far left. The far left is really good at creating uh, art and any other political kind of region is not. And I think that speaks to something about, you know, uh, societal shifts over time or something like that. But yeah, I I was surprised. Um, 
He talked about taxes, dollar valuation, male suicide, I actually think was the biggest driver in the song and it kind of all builds to that. But then also I, what really kind of shocked me when I heard the song was the explicit reference to welfare. Uh, Cause that's like a sort of politics that I haven't heard in a long time complaining about like welfare and the use of welfare. So yeah, that that's kind of my first blush thoughts is like, that was my surprise. Um, and I liked it. In fact, it's too catchy. I don't listen to it anymore because it gets stuck in my head and loops. Uh, <laughs> so I don't listen to it anymore, but uh, it's a good song nonetheless. Yeah. I jumped right into the song. I hadn't even heard it. I, I think I'm kind of proud of myself that I, not as in tune to these popular media stuff like justin brings up the topic and richmond i'm like what what's the richmond thing <laughs> so until he's forwarded it to me i'd never even heard of it so i've played the song and yeah the emotion and i, I the grittiness all of that uh i really enjoyed that but the just the name of it really resonated with me the richmond north of richmond and so it, it had that little bit of cleverness to it with the you know, the tie into the name. And then for me, it just speaks about what we do at the Institute. I just think government's too big. And uh, there is a lot of rich men that are thinking they're doing good. And and I think that criticism on the mic, I heard that one at some point uh, after, oh, where did you get that microphone and, and the hair beard? And looks like, you know, there's a, there's a simplicit <laughs> statement, the, yeah, the, whatever, the comb stuff. You know, there's this implicitness that the Richmond, north of Richmond, got him that stuff. He's in that position because of them. And that's just so, con at least that's the way I took it, is that they're implicitly saying, well, he's doing pretty good. And it's, you know, so, you know, what do you got bad to say about the Richmond, north of Richmond? And, and uh, that is just a, a false uh, thing to kind of imply that that's somehow got him where he is and takes away from his own grittiness that you felt in the song that he's got that stuff probably because he goes to work and, and does what he needs to do to care for himself and his family. Yeah, I, I think we should get into that a little bit because uh, uh, so one of my favorite economists is Julian Simon and Julian Simon very much had this message of like, you know, all of these people who are saying things are worse, all these people are wrong and things are actually a lot better. And I think that there is a sense in which that uh, that statement, A, it made more sense in the 90s, but it's also still to some degree true. I think it's appropriate in certain arguments or certain conversations to point out like, no, things are way better in a lot of ways. And so like when someone is talking about like institutionally, you know, we've got to overhaul capitalism because, uh, you know, there's this inequality problem or something like that. It's like, or things are getting way worse. It's like, well, hold on a second. Like, what were things like before capitalism? What were things like after mm -hmm. capitalism? And so when you're talking this, like, very large existential question about, like, the nature of the success of capitalism, it's appropriate to say things have never been better materially uh, than they are today. But within that system, like, we can start to notice issues and talk about, like, what a, a, a more micro-correction would look like for those issues. And that's not incompatible, kind of like, like Russ is pointing out, that's not incompatible with capitalism because it could be that capitalism is successful in spite of the Richmond, north of Richmond, right? right? And so, yeah, everything is, like, way better materially than it would be if we never had capitalism. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people suffering and it doesn't mean that like there's not something in the institution that's causing that suffering and uh, not allowing the prosperity to hit everybody the same. So I think the best example of the thing that really made me mad was this tweet by um, Nathan Kaufness, who's a philosopher who I 
whose work I generally like. And he said, the main point of conservatives' new favorite song is that rich men have devalued and taxed the dollar. But in America, most taxes are paid by the rich, and even our poor are rich by global standards. Note that an off-the-grid Virginia farmer can spend more than the annual household income of most countries on recording equipment for his music hobby. Forty years ago, an American hillbilly would have been lucky to own his own harmonica that costs less than one, one week's supply of this guy's beard wax. <laughs> Populists on both the left and the right can't articulate what irks them, so they invent economic grievances and blame these rich men north of Richmond for forcing them to sit out and waste my life away. And I have two huge problems with this. The first is that, um, you know, as Peter said, like, things might on a macro level be better than they ever have been before. But fentanyl deaths are outpacing, you know, what heroin deaths were in the heroin e epidemic of the 70s, right? And those deaths are actually concentrated in places. And so it's not unfair for people in those places to say, hey, look, uh, I'm sure like the average, you know, uh, the average whatever is better than it, the average whatever used to be a while ago. But that doesn't mean there aren't certain pain points. Um, that, just, that just doesn't mean that those things don't exist. Right. Yeah. Um, and secondly, like this idea that populists can't articulate what irks them, like this is a song, dude. Like <laughs> this, you know, if you say like the main point of this stupid country song was that some guy's dog died, but today, thanks to capitalism, you can get dogs for free at the pound. Like, that, that doesn't make it, like the whole point of a song is that it's supposed to tie, like, it's supposed to be emotional. It's supposed to resonate with the way people live their lives. Um, and, you know, if you, if you talk, if you make a country song about how awesome things are, say, thanks to like, I don't know, targeted GDP growth or whatever, like, Good luck and good luck with your country song. Um, that's not what country songs are. The, this song reminded me the most of um, Johnny Paycheck and, uh, you know, Take This Job and Shove It. Yeah. Um, which became an anthem for uh, Virginia coal miners during the coal mine strike, right? And you don't have to, like, agree, take a side on the coal mine strike to think, I love that song. Right? It's just a fun song. <laughs> it is. Right? I uh, sing it in class every term when we get to that, uh, the freedom to say, take this job and shove it. Yeah. So those are my, those are two of my criticism. And the third is that I think people don't even, uh, they're at least not reading the, like, the dollar stuff that he's saying in the same way that I was uh, when I heard the song the first time. So uh, maybe we could. Uh, yeah. Talk it looks like a good thing to half. touch on here in the second half. Good time for a break. And yeah, I wanted to bring up, I, I felt like the song with like inflation, like you you just kind of felt the pain at the cash register that I think a lot of people are, especially on, on tight budgets. And uh, I think that uh, that does trickle down from north of Richmond. So we'll be back in just a bit. By 2030, the Gortney Institute will be known for its alumni, supporters, and participants who incorporate economic understanding with their faith in their careers, vocations, communities, and personal lives. We have some great programming going on for high school students. We have an online microeconomics class. Yes, you can earn college credit for $200 by taking an online class. It's affordable, flexible, layered with support. Our new online micro is optimized for you. If you'd like to consider some events for your high school students or that class, please contact Justin, Peter, or Russ today. Ottawa University has an exciting new major. PPE, which stands for Philosophy, Politics, and Economics. Each of these fields is interesting in their own right, but they intersect in ways that are important to understand, both individually and for your community. 
If you find philosophy fascinating, but want to make sure that your study of the subject is practical. If you enjoy economic analysis, but want to see how economic laws interact with moral principles. If you are interested in politics, but want to explore how economic and ethical realities constrain our political choices, you should consider the PPE program at Ottawa University. This spring, Ottawa University is organizing a PPE League competition of politics, philosophy, and economics. Students in this competition will compete leveraging the ideas of philosophy, politics, and economics in various events. If you're a professor or an advisor of college students and you're interested in your school competing in PPE League this spring, contact Peter, Justin, or Russ today. All right, so we're back, and uh, I wanted to just kind of hit on this inflation thing. I I, I really feel like I hear um, comments from people with the pain at the at the grocery store, and and so when he does his lyric, if I remember right, something like I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but uh, the dollar ain't worth shit. You know that is a real person going to the grocery store and say, I used to be able to buy this for two bucks, and now it's three bucks or four bucks or whatever, and the shopping cart full of uh, groceries used to be a hundred bucks and now it's $130 or $140 over the last big two-year run. And so um, I think when people feel the policies trickling down to them in a real way, we're going to have these emotions that are triggered. And of course, it's not helping at all with our polarization that we have politically anyway. Um, and then the the Trump divide with uh, people looking the other way, it, it's it's kind of a disaster right now. And I, I think I love that he hit it big and the let those emotions go. And now we're kind of ferreting out what that means maybe to each one of us. But I, I felt like it was, uh, like you said, very tr uh, true to him and and um, not something he, that it was staged, so to speak. I mean, uh, you could really feel that come through in the song. And I, I think there is real pain that did come from Washington. And uh, I think uh, if we have enough people behind it, maybe some changes could be made. But if our candidate is Trump, as Peter said, I'm not sure that's going to help any, uh, maybe in that in that department. So will people with those sentiments kind of see that maybe um, Trump won't, won't be able to, won't deliver? Or, you know, we're all talking probabilities here, but uh, the one thing I'm pretty sure of, I don't see Trump changing very much. So I think probably the way he ran things uh, when he was in the office would be similar to the way he's going to run it now and kind of got to take a, a hard look if that's if that's going to uh, work or not. Um, well, I don't want to talk too much about like whether or not Trump delivers on the promise. Of no, we don't want to turn that into uh, that. But yes. I, I do want to focus on what he said that, uh, you know, about um, the dollar because that seemed to be a, something that a lot of critics of the song and proponents of the song jumped on, right? Like, look, this guy's talking about um, inflation, which is a problem. And, or look, this guy's talking about inflation, which isn't really a problem, right? Even if it is inflated, then you can still buy more than you used to be able to, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think if you listen to the people, I think when people hear it, they hear, I think what you just said, which is the dollar ain't worth shit, right? But that's not the lyric. The yeah. lyric is... Your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end. Um, and oh. the way I took that wasn't it wasn't just a complaint about inflation, right? Uh, the, a complaint about inflation is the dollar doesn't buy what it used to. I took the complaint to be your dollar doesn't count. And in America, where you're supposed to be able to kind of at least vote with your dollar, this idea that like 
uh, well, you know, uh, what did they say about, you know, well, if you don't like Twitter, make your own Twitter. And then, you know, God forbid somebody actually buys Twitter, then it's the idea, oh, no, now we'll get the state to come in and, and do things we don't like. So is this idea that um, you really are under the screws and even the things that you you think you ought to be able to make these decisions on your own. The song, I mean, the real note in the chorus isn't uh, Washington devalued the dollar. The the claim in the chorus is they want total control, mm -hmm. right? That's what yeah, it says. I know what you think. Times. I know what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's I. And it goes on. They don't. They think you don't know, but I know that you don't do because. And then it's, you know, talk about the dollar and the taxation. Right. Yeah. And so the real like line of the song is like about your lives and you know, and I know it sort of thing. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Uh, you, inflation is a problem. But I think the bigger thing is like, even if it weren't, there's a sense that I think a lot of populists get that especially a bunch of cultural issues are just shoved down your throat whether or not you like them and you really don't have a say about it um yeah yeah and i i think this does connect to so like to, to me the song builds towards like his his ultimate complaints uh which is this idea of like while well, all this is going on like they're young men putting themselves six feet underground right and this is like a, a suicide comment and this is one place where like there's no arguments like you don't get to have an argument uh, suicide rates are at all-time highs right now like they, this is just a matter of fact that uh, and i'm maybe even world highs i'm not sure about that but i would not be surprised if the united states first off today in 2023 suicide rates in the u.s are higher than they've ever been it might be the case that in, in any given country in the world at any point in history that we have data for it's the highest i'm not 100 sure of that but i don't know if there are countries with higher suicides rates than us. i would guess no uh because of our at least in part because of our easier access to firearms maybe uh, but there, so what, what makes this such like a powerful argument is like, it does highlight that there is a difference between like material prosperity, which matters. It doesn't not matter. It matters, but there's a difference between material prosperity and like spiritual health and well-being. Like these things are not the same. And for a long time, I think people wanted them to be the same. Like it would be great if we had a system that like advanced both one-to-one, -one. you know, as you get richer, you also get more moral uh and have like a better more more moral society and i think there's like margins on which that's even true right i think like rich people can afford the luxury of like thinking about right and wrong more or something like that uh but clearly it hasn't totally translated like if i there's this concept in uh the these philosopher people use especially like this rawls guy who i don't know people talk about him all the time i don't know anything about him but uh he has this idea called like the veil of ignorance which is a useful idea i don't even know if it's his originally but I know it's associated with him. And that's like, imagine like you didn't know who you were going to be in a society. And I, well, for the specific example that I'm going to use, imagine I tell you I have two societies, society A, which is richer with lower, with higher suicide rates or society B, which is poor with uh, lower suicide rates. Like those are your two options. That's not an easy choice. You know, maybe uh, if I put numbers to it, maybe it would become easier. Sure. Uh, but the point is, like, it's not obvious which one you would want to pick. And that kind of says something that, like, we have a statistic that's so bad that it's like, you know, could maybe behind the veil of ignorance, you would choose a country other than the United States. There's very few things in history, in the history of the United States, that could cause me to choose any other country besides the United States. That statistic is one of them. Uh, so, that, like, the, 
the song does point to like, here's the complaint. If, if there's nothing else, like we have never been in a society where people have opted out of living more than they are now. And that seems to communicate something extremely wrong. In fact, the fact that we're wealthier now actually makes that even more horrifying. Like in theory, life has never been better, right? It's never been easier. It's, you know, you've never had access to more stuff before. You've never had access to more comfortable living, more healthcare. And yet, in spite of all that, people have never killed themselves as often as they do right now. That's actually horrifying uh, in like a, a very important sense. So I think that's uh, that's great. And I also, I want to read that whole stanza that that line comes in because yeah. a lot of people talked about that stanza, but they didn't talk about the suicide part. Right, yeah. The first part of it is, well, well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep kicking them down. Peter's right. It is uncontestable that um, suicide rates are off the charts right now. They're also off the charts for uh, specific sectors of the society, right. men being one. Another one is like men who served in the military, which is if you have a bunch of people who are, have served in the military, and especially young men who are as desperate as the statistic seems to say, seems to um, indicate and that clearly seems to be the case, that is just a dangerous situation because unemployed young men, those are people that uh, in every revolution, every political revolution that we've ever had, that is who uh, that is who runs the revolution is unemployed yeah. young men. So whether or not and or commit crimes of other sorts, whether or not you think the complaint is justified um, is one thing. But statistics clearly say that this is a problem. Um, so whatever your political persuasion is, you ought to be worried about it. And everybody jumped on the oh well, he's complaining welfare. about taxes going to welfare. But I think what he's clearly saying is, look, states institutions like states have priorities. Mm -hmm. um, we're solving problems that don't exist or actually making for them. We're, we're making non-problems into problems, subsidizing, you know, the oh, consumption of junk food by obese people, which is true. That's what, uh, while meanwhile, ignoring like the bigger problem, right? Yeah, you yeah. could plot the increase in obesity in the United States next to the increase of suicides. Um, and yeah, and government money to each. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So those lines don't go in different directions. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So. Well, this uh, the song seems to be just a battle cry for freedom a little differently. It, it just dawned on me while we were talking that I had to look up the Charlie Daniels band with the long haired country boy. And so that was uh, a statement of just, uh, you know, kind of leave me alone, too. I ain't asking nobody for nothing if I can't get it on my own. If you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long haired country boy alone. And uh, parts of that song is just kind of a, I think, a, a statement of, um, you know, I can handle it myself. Here, I think he's feeling the real treatment from the Richmond that it's that it's imposing on him in a way you can't escape uh, with the dollar and all of the things we've been talking about. Um, that the the government's getting that much bigger. Uh, Charlie Daniels released that in 1974. And uh, to me, it, it had kind of a similar theme, but I think his is a, is a little bit different. Yeah. So I think I think at this point, we should get in a little bit into more what the guy has said about yeah. his own political stuff. So Justin, I think you could take that. I know the, the only thing I heard, so I know there's been several of these updates. The most recent thing I heard, which is not the most recent thing he said, was 
he w- he did make the comment he he was kind of like monologuing and was laughing about the fact that they had it in the debates and he made the comment and I, he's exactly right in the comment that the people on the stage were the people he wrote the song about right because <laughs> all of them were trying to be like oh yeah this is our song and uh oliver anthony's saying this isn't your song like i wrote it about you right. like you're the richmond who are trying to be north of richmond right uh for some most of you on the stage already are uh i think one or two aren't but they're trying to be right so it- but I, I don't know if there's been anything else i just and didn't they also like a couple of them interpreted it as like a call for like increasing American uh, like shows of force abroad? I'm so, not. Like, I'm not was, sure about that. Uh, their their interpretation of the song was like mind bogglingly dense. Um, yeah. And so yeah, you're right. And he did come out and say like it's hilarious that you know these people on the you know a bunch of these people on the Republican stage thought that oh yeah you know, I feel your pain. Uh, you're who I'm writing about. And then uh, like a day later he had to be like. I don't like the Biden administration either. Like this isn't a red versus blue song. It is just like take this job and shove it was. It's a populist song. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it, he he also made the comment of like, and so one, one of the things that concerned me about the song right away is like, it's, I wouldn't even call it a song for freedom. I think that's like a generous interpretation. I would call it a song against the elites. Like that is the primary yeah. message of the song is it's, it's not trying to build up. It's trying to tear down that. And like that, you always have to be careful with those uh, sorts of forces in society, I think. And I don't mean in the sense that I think he's some secret like overlord, but I'm always wary of like songs that are, or anything that is really st- structured at like destroying something um yeah it's but like t- maybe that let's think on that a little bit on the government thing because uh uh if we're tearing it down what how far is it being tore down and I, I think he really hints at the transfer payments being part of it and the the tax rates and the level of activity so all of those people on stage uh, the song was about you because whether you're republican or democrat you're going to want to get into office and do something right it, there's going to be further growth rather than limiting um, people don't tend to get elected that come in and say, I'm going to limit all the powers of, of government and be less intrusive in your life. Uh, doesn't seem to be, we haven't had a candidate like that for as long as I can uh, remember. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. Uh, we've had candidates say that, but no one actually do it. But yeah, uh, yeah so I, I, I view that as kind of his negative message, which I don't think that's bad in, its, in and of itself. It's just bad if that's the only thing. Uh, but he did come out and say what he was supporting, at least like, generically and i saw like some philosophy guy or no political science guy i won't play philosophers this one political science guy at yale said you know after a few weeks we can easily conclude that this guy doesn't have a coherence you know political stance and that might even be like true to some extent but he did make the comment he's like i'm not for you know the writer for the left what i am for is like building up communities and again this speaks to like you can call it coherence or not in some intellectual sense, but it, there is at least like this unifying theme that's coherent to me, which is that we have a lot of prosperity happening in our country. Certain areas are receiving disproportionately low amounts of that prosperity. In fact, if we weigh you know non-material things, in fact, things may have gotten worse in some places, and I'm not afraid to say that. Things may have gotten worse in some communities in our country over the last 30, 40 years, even if they're richer. I, I don't even care about that, even if they're richer. And what he's pointing out is this theme of, well, you know, for those places, uh, we need to somehow build them up. And so I I hope he continues this line. I hope he doesn't go into this like political game of like, we need to elect this person in 2024 to save our country or something like that. I think like the sober recognition that like, 
these people don't care about us and I'm not going to try to make them care about us. That seems to be what he's saying now. I, I don't care if they on their debate stage uh, put my song up or not. I don't believe them. And I think that that's, you know, a pretty accurate view of politicians. And so we have a responsibility to do what we can do. That's in our community now. I hope he continues that route. I, I'm always suspicious when someone like jumps up very quickly in popularity that they're going to develop a lot of like followers and then let everybody down because that's sort of the nature of people. I've liked every move he's made so far, uh, refusing to kind of jump in with like, you know, uh, having Carrie Lake do a diss track with him or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad he has kind of remained aside from all of the mainstream uh, sort of pop political stuff. So maybe he needs to throw his hat in the ring for president. No, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> then he'd be the rich man north of Richmond. <laughs> do you remember the ad that Johnny uh, Cash put out when his record was a that when his record went platinum um and he one played, of his late ones that he did later in his life or early first platinum record no but he put a big ad in a, a magazine do you remember anybody no. it's like johnny cash would like to thank um nashville radio for being so supportive and it was just a picture of him giving the middle oh finger. the middle finger um <laughs> i like that oliver anthony hasn't um as of yet Right. You know, made like a big record deal and he supposedly turned one down. Yeah. Um, and it is one of the advantages of the world that we live in now that there are fewer gatekeepers. So he can yeah. at least kind of do the kind of thing that he's doing now. Right? I hope he monetized that uh, YouTube thing. That yeah, I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, as long as he had a few dollars rolling in from those number of views, we should yeah. be doing all right. So. All right. Well, anything else? Looks like a good place to wrap. Unless any final comments. The, the song again is Oliver Anthony, Rich Men North of Richmond. All right. Big hit. And I think he did another song as well, if I remember he's right. He's got a few. And he's, yeah. got, he's put a few out. Yeah, so yeah, you might start to see him. Bit, but he's had a, an Yeah, you might start to hear more from him and we'll see where he goes with uh, with his career. So. This has been a production of the Gorton Institute here at Ottawa University. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Please pass this along to your friends and family uh, through your social media or otherwise. And other than that, be fruitful multiply. Thanks.